Namaham Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyate Nishatayane Continuing from yesterday, continuing on the same subject. Human Prabhupada. <laughs> Superhuman. Atimartya. Word in Sanskrit. Atimartya. Atimartena Bhagavan comes in first canto. Kritavankila Karamani. Sahara Amena Keshava. Atimartyani Bhagavan. Gurha Kaputamanusha. Krishna Balaram performed. Well, Krishna performed his pastimes in, a, in the company of Balaram. Uh, they were superhuman, but they appeared not to be. They were, they, their greatness was covered or not observable by everyone. Kapata Manusha, this literally means cheating person. In this context it means that they're not understood properly. Krishna in many ways appeared like an ordinary person. Two hands, two legs. Two hands, only two hands. God usually has four hands or more. So he appeared like an ordinary person, but... He was not. So in the same way, Srila Prabhupada appeared like an ordinary person, but was not. Atimartya means superhuman. Namartya buddhya suyeta yesterday. We discussed this verse. Lord Krishna says, Martya, one should not consider the spiritual master Martyr, subject to death, even though he appears to die. Krishna also appears to die. <laughs> but he doesn't die. Krishna never dies. Anyone, any perfect person, they don't die. We don't say, he died. There's other terminology which is used. Someone else may die. We say that uh, John Smith died. John Smith is like the most ordinary English name there could be. There must be some similar in Slovenia or Croatia. You know, we say, in one sense, no one dies, but then you can say that John Smith did die. Because the, identi- the body and the identity that went with that body is died, it's finished. There is no more John Smith. The Atma who misidentified himself with that body no longer identifies himself with that body. He still exists, but in another place, in another, in another false form, in another false identity. But John Smith is dead. But Krishna never dies. But Krishna's 
Krishna's apparent dying is completely different because his transcendental form never deteriorates. It, it never, it's never subject to any decaying whatsoever. Now we may say, well, the pure devotee, the body dies from the external point of view. We could say that, but we, we don't, we're not interested in the external point of view. We're interested in the spiritual understanding. The body of the spiritual master is always worshipable, therefore the body is placed in samadhi for worship. So, uh, Srila <clears throat> Prabhupada is superhuman. That idea some people have come up with, that he was influenced by Victorian come Bengali ideas. I discussed Victorian yesterday. Bengali ideas. Well, what is Bengali? If we say Bengali culture, it means the, the culture that's derived from Shastra, which is perfect. So if you say Bengali idea, well, it's not a bad idea. Not modern communist Bengali. That's something else. But the original idea, Bengali, Gauriya. That's very good. Gauriya means Bengali. Gauriya means follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But this whole idea that Prabhupada was influenced by his background, I mean, in that case, he should have... Uh, how is he so much against modern civilization? He had a modern education, a modern in those days. He was brought up in, by, in the British school. He didn't go to a guru call or... The British school, who wanted to train him to be a uh, something like Pandit Nehru, came out like they, they wanted to make clone uh, Indian clones of the British outlook. And where did Prabhupada where did Prabhupada get his opposition to science from? Not from not from his childhood or his or his uh, education. Where did he get it from? Well, he's pure devotee, which means that all spiritual qualities are inherent in him all the time. They're always there. So, the opposition to the mundane scientific outlook, its actually it's incorrect to say the prophet was opposed to science. He was the most scientific person. <coughs> But he was opposed to mundane science because it's uh, under the name of science there is envy of Krishna is being propagated. Or if you want to say he got it from anywhere, he, he said that I in, in the in the Krishna book he dedicates that Krishna book to my father. I'm paraphrasing now; I can't remember exactly what he said. Gormo and who imbibed in me the sense of Krishna consciousness with the principles that were later solidified by uh, by by Srila Bhakti my spiritual master, my eternal father. And Prabhupada, he once said that, that he learned everything about Krishna consciousness from his father, but the thing he learned from his spiritual master, the special thing was book production and distribution. That Bhakti Siddhan Sarsar Thakur at Radha Kund told Srila Prabhupada if you ever get money, print books. 
আমার ইচ্ছা ছিল কিছু বই করা মাই ডিজায়ার ওয়াজ টু মেক সাম বুকস পাবলিশ সাম বুকস সো ওয়ান থিং দ্যাট ভক্তি সিদ্ধান সরস্বর ঠাকুর ভেরি মাচ স্ট্রেস naturally imbued with all transcendental qualities they uh, they appear to go through various phases just like krishna learned from his guru krishna doesn't have to learn anything but he learned from his guru and propad comments in the nectar devotion that uh, well his guru was so pleased with krishna that he blessed krishna that whatever you say that will remain forever extant in human society and proper rights that because of this benediction from his guru even today bhagavad gita is well known in the world so bhagavad gita is krishna's non different from krishna krishna speaks bhagavad gita it's it's the facts of reality he spoke it to vivasvan many millions of years ago before chronologically we can say although krishna is not limited by time or space or by anything but uh, he spoke this to vivasva many millions of years ago so how can we say that it's because of sandipani muni's benediction that the bhagavad gita is still extant in human society well that's krishna's kindness on his devotees that he gives the, the opportunity for it to appear like that just like this sudarshan chakra was is krishna's eternal weapon but it was given to him by agni agni had some some service to do or some say apparently it was given to him apparently krishna took birth from Vasudeva and Devaki although he is unborn so uh, where, where did Prabhupada's implicit faith in Shastra come from was that from what His, uh, the fact that he was born in the Victorian era not at all I mean his British education was geared to make him have no faith in Shastra so the idea that Srila Prabhupada was influenced by Victorian morality and therefore he was such a I mean I, I, I was going to say something should I say well it's almost like they're saying Prabhupada was like a fool or some kind of a jerk or an unreasonable person he has all these opinions you can't really blame it on him he was just you know a nice old man who had some outdated opinions i mean practically that's people who hold this view they they're saying like that it's it's uh very offensive 
Another point I was talking about yesterday, I'll just speak a little bit more about that, that we're saying, well, you see, if you call people rascals and fools, it's not compassionate. Prabhupada could do that, but you can't. But actually, if unless we understand that persons not in Krishna consciousness are rascals and fools, then how can we be compassionate for them? If we think they're normal, all right people, then there's no question of any, how can you be compassionate? If you think they're okay, then why preach? And we think that preaching means just that people will think nicely of us. And that's it. People will say, oh, they're nice people. That's it. That's the preaching. Finished. That's it. Great. We got, someone said to me, oh, I think your people are very nice. That's great. That's the end of our preaching. And let them go home and forget Krishna and eat meat and everything and Oh, I, no, actually you should try to make them vegetarians. That's right, I forgot. Our movement's a vegetarian, vegetarian or vegan movement. So, and uh, we did a cooking class and they became vegetarians. Great, finished. It's our success. Not at all. Just that people will think nicely. It's good if people think nicely of us, but they should think nicely of us if they know what we are and still they think nicely of us, then they'll join us. If they know what our message is. Definitely with Krishna Gorsha is very nice. Right? That's very nice. So, we should communicate this to others and let them join with it. But Krishna Consciousness is very nice, but it's not like the... the uh, Candy floss niceness of this material world. Candy floss, do you know what that is? They, they make, it's kind of sh- sugar and they put it on a stick and they spin it round and it's like it becomes huge like this but it's actually about this much sugar and it has some artificial coloring and it tastes sweet but there's no food value whatsoever. It looks very big but there's nothing really there. So it's candy floss. Candy floss niceness of this material. It seems nice, but there's no substance. The only thing it does to your body is rot your teeth. It doesn't nourish your body whatsoever. It gives some feeling of niceness. That's, it's only a feeling. There's, no, there's nothing there. But the message of Krishna consciousness is very heavy. That's why guru means heavy. Just in case we forgot. <laughs> Prabhupada often spoke of Keeping a guru as a pet dog, just like you keep a pet dog. Come here, go there, pat him on the head. Very nice. Just if he pleases me, I like him. That's all. Pet? Why they like pet dogs? Because the pet dog always smiles at you, right, or licks you, or whatever. So you want a guru who will always say, "Very nice. Whatever you do is very nice." Guru is heavy, heavy. Message is heavy, right? It's a heavy message. Prabhupada said they are now feeling the weight of our movement. When there was the, Prabhupada was actually very pleased when the court case. In one sense, he was very pleased. He wasn't at all disturbed when there was a massive court case made against us in New York in 1976, I think it was. The Hari Krishna movement is brainwashing, and it was all over the press, and the, it was very. It's very heavy. They wanted to. There was a. There was a. 
upfront attempt to just totally smash our movement. Prabhupada says, yes, now the demons, they are feeling the weight of our movement. Because it's a heavy message. If they know what our message, I mean, that's it. We're distributing so many books and they got the message that you, everything you're doing is nonsense, rascal them. You have to change it and surrender to Krishna. That's, that's the implication of calling people fools and rascals, that they, you should change. It's a very heavy message. And people were disturbed. By it. Prabhupada was pleased, he says, good opportunity to to preach our message more and establish it. And he, he said, make the case go on for 14 years. Keep It's good. It's good we have a case against us. But make it go on. He said, our evidence of our bona, bona fide-ness, or whatever the term is, that we are bona fide, is our books. He said, you should you get, tell the judge and every member of the jury, before they make any judgment, they should read every one of our books drag on the case so it's always in the news but very quickly they gave a decision Krishna consciousness is a bona fide religion that was Prabhupada was always very pleased with that so the idea that uh, that we shouldn't say all these strong words that uh, then we think uh, well maybe one reason for that is that our movement uh, has shifted from the time when Prabhupada was personally present from being a uh, ashram-based movement or a monastic movement to a congregational-based movement. So most of our devotees, they don't live in temples. And they don't live on the farms either that Prabhupada envisaged. They live among the fools and rascals. And it's pretty difficult to live among people if all the time you're thinking they're fools and rascals. And, and in their ordinary dealings, they may be somewhat nice. I don't know. I don't know about here, but I know in the... I, I, in India, I meet people who are in corporate life. And without, uh, without asking them, I just tell them that in your... You're, you're suffering like anything in the office, aren't you? All the people, they're just... It's backbiting and backstabbing. I don't have to... Uh, I know, because that's what it's like. That's what it is. People will, will talk, they'll say polite things to you, and then they'll uh, make all kinds of machinations against you. Secretly, or without your knowledge. Or if they're in a superior position to you, they'll put you down. It may not be so much here as in India because society is much more competitive in India. Their economy is a developing economy, developing after the Western model. <laughs> so it's uh, the rat race. They call it the rat race. Actually, it's not a very good term, the rat race, in the sense that rats among themselves, they cooperate, actually. If if you attack one rat, the other rats will defend it. But it's rat eats rat in the rat race of the modern world. So that may, that's maybe one reason that uh, it's very difficult to be 
uh, a revolutionary. Actually, this moment is revolutionary. It's very difficult to be a revolutionary all your life if you've got children to raise and bills to pay and you have to move in the ordinary world. So, it may, it's, it's maybe too extreme for devotees who, whose Krishna consciousness consists of uh, you know, trying to get their 16 rounds together every day. Many of them have difficulty. We see the devotees. Again, I don't know in this country, but in India, most of our initiated devotees, their 16 rounds, it's just somehow or other crammed into their lives. Most of them will be chanted maybe while they're driving to work or you know, one hand on the steering wheel and one hand on the beat bag or Reading, I mean, you've, you know, there are so many devotees in our movement. They've been in, they've been initiated like ten years, and they've never even read even the first canto of Bhagavata. They have no idea actually what in, what's in Prabhupada's books. And what was the meaning of their being initiated? Divyam jnanam Diksha means to attain spiritual knowledge, but they don't have it. And then for them to come to the for they come to the temple once a week and. They're already completely frazzled by their working week. And then they come to the town and they hear all this heavy stuff. It's too much. It's just, they like to hear some nice stories and some jokes and that's it. So, it's difficult to be a disciple of Prabhupada. In the sense that, well, he was very encouraging, but his message was very heavy. He was very demanding. Actually, very demanding. So we can uh, alter the message to make, not exactly alter it, uh, but stress certain, well, that is one kind of alteration, to stress certain things more and and to practically uh, jettison, you know that word, throw out, Abandon much of the message that Srila Prabhupada preached. So, in some ways, that may be very successful in much as, as much as many people can take to Krishna consciousness without the uh, without all that heavy stuff, which they might be difficult for them to deal with. But on the other hand, if you don't deal with it, then you stay with it. It stays with you. If we don't realize that everything in this world is completely useless and we have to surrender to Krishna, if we're not being preached to that, if we're not receiving that message all the time, then where is the impetus going to come to get out of this material world and fully surrender to Krishna? We have to hear that. <coughs> So if we don't hear that, if we think that everyone's more or less okay, then where will the impetus come to to preach and save others? Then preaching just becomes making a, a nice impression and everything becomes watered down, which we see at the present time. That 
newcomers to Krishna consciousness, they're actually told, because if they read Prabhupada's books or they hear Prabhupada's lectures, they'll see it. It's a very heavy message. Give up all sense gratification and fully surrender to Krishna. It's a very heavy message for the conditioned soul. That's why people like to go to this, you know, Ravi Shankar and all these rascals, complete rascals and demons posing as so-called holy men. Because they, I, I listened the other day to 20 minutes of this rascal's lecture, Grace of Radhe Govinda, he gave me some of his lectures. And it's just disgusting. How, how are they cheating people? It, it, it's just like a textbook bogus guru talks in very sweet, soft voice, giggles a little bit now and then. You are the. You have to realize the potential within you. <laughs> you are greater than the whole world. <laughs> I mean, Prabhupada was actually being very mild with these people by just calling them fools and rascals. And I mean, what else? I mean, what what terms are there? Just such cheaters. Just such cheaters. If we don't feel disturbed by these people, if we think, well, we should go to some ecumenical conference and discuss with them, what are you going to discuss with such a demon who's just cheating people? Nothing to discuss. You're a cheater. Just like Prabhupada, when he met with all these big swamis at the Gita Sammelan, he blasted them. Why are you cheating people in the name of Bhagavad Gita? So new people come and they 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 see all they, they, they say, well, no, no, you, you don't preach like that. They're told from the beginning. No, you, first of all, you have to become as pure as Srila Prabhupada. Then you can preach like that. Then who's ever going to... Then uh, the, who is going to say the actual fact that Everyone who's not in Krishna consciousness is a fool and a rascal. How are we going to understand that unless no one says it? If we wait for anyone to... How are you even going to come to the level of Prabhupada if you think that it's okay not being on the level of Prabhupada? It's okay, you know, it's all right. Every, everyone's normal and nice. So you don't... Be a pure devotee means you just have to... Go to Radha Kund every so often, take a swim, give something to all those cheating so-called Rajavasis, and uh, you know that's it. You get the and then you become ecstatic and Krishna praying. It's all very cheap, watered down. So this is uh, these are some of the problems. Everything's okay, you know. It doesn't. Whatever you do, it's okay. You just smile, be nice, and say Hare Krishna and. You follow some principles if you like. Everything's all right. <laughs> no, no, not that one. That's not Prabhupada as he is. Prabhupada presented Krishna as he is. He shouted against misrepresentations of Krishna. People want to take Krishna. They'll have a nice... Nice picture of Krishna. We like to see the nice picture of Krishna. 
That's all. And his message, yeah, that's it, Hinduism. There you go. So many Hindus who have a nice picture of Krishna. But they don't know what's in Bhagavad Gita, nor do they want to know. Or even if they do know, it's well misinterpreted for them. They don't want to know Krishna as he is. Prabhupada presented Krishna as he is. So my plea here is that we should not present Prabhupada in any other way than he is. Of course, to know Prabhupada fully is not possible. And yes, Prabhupada is very sweet. He is very nice. But we shouldn't... As Krishna is very sweet, but as Prabhupada mentioned, we'll find that in the Bhagavatam, there's much more description of Krishna killing demons than dancing with gopis. So, uh, we shouldn't try to... And Prabhupada was very heavy against those who tried to represent Krishna only as dancing with gopis. What about all the other leelas? What about that? Why are you, why are you only going to one leela? So why are you only representing Prabhupada as being you know, concerned with people's health? And you know, they, There's a lot more to Prabhupada than that. Of course, we should be, as Prabhupada was, we should be concerned with devotees' health. But the, it wasn't that Prabhupada came to this world just to get people cough lozenges. Or to... to uh, Prabhupada's... Now we come, after all this time, we've finally understood Prabhupada's topmost instruction that if someone doesn't have a sweater on a cold night, you should give them one. That's not it. He did instruct that, but that's not the, the essence of his being. So, yeah. <clears throat> Shouldn't be over-intelligent. <laughs> intelligent, yes, it requires intelligence to understand who is Krishna, who is Srila Prabhupada, but not over-intelligent. Over-intelligent means that one tries to place his intelligence over that of Guru, Sadhu and Shastra. We, we want to, and we think, well, now we've become, now we become very mature, you see. In the beginning we were too fanatical. Maybe in one sense, say, that the kind of enthusiasm there was to serve Krishna was, maybe some of it was coming from uh, an overspill of youthful energy. That's maybe, that's maybe true. And sometimes devotees preached in what could be called an imbalanced manner. That's also true. And it's not, we, we have to be careful that it's not that new devotees, new people coming newly, they have no uh, actual understanding of Krishna consciousness and they think that it solely consists of going out and telling everyone that they're all fools and rascals without themselves understanding what the actual philosophy of Krishna consciousness is. So, yeah, we should be balanced, but balanced means, well, if we, we should be balanced, but when we say balanced, our, what is, who is our role model? It's not Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada is an acharya, he teaches by his example, 
So again, if we say that we have to become as pure as Prabhupada before we can speak like Prabhupada, well, that's not exactly right because he taught by his example. We're supposed to behave as he behaved. We should not imitate. That means we shouldn't, for instance, if we think that we can sleep as little as Prabhupada, that would be... Mistake. We're not able to do that. But if we say, if we say that we should, we can only do what Prabhupada himself said: "Do as I am doing." And he he took pleasure in his disciples preaching strongly. I've given some examples in that essay in that book. My memories of Srila Prabhupada. But if you say, "Well, we should, uh, we should only do what Prabhupada does when we become as pure as Prabhupada," okay, then stop taking prasadam. Prabhupada took prasad. See, you're not as pure as Prabhupada, so better you don't take prasadam because you see you'll be offensive to the prasadam. Anyone? Any volunteers? We won't become purified unless we take prasadam. We won't become purified unless we follow in the footsteps of Srila Prabhupada. So... We should be very careful because Prabhupada was presenting the teachings of the absolute truth. Veda means knowledge. Where did Hinduism come from? Now, when I say Hinduism, we're talking about what Srila Prabhupada referred to as a hodgepodge of concocted ideas. Nowadays, sometimes we like to present ourselves. We are a Hindu movement. It's a nice box that the karmis, that's another word that Prabhupada used to use, we don't use anymore, karmis that we, they, we, we like to present ourselves as Hindu and then they can put us in a Hindu box, okay, alright good Hindus, stay in that box, we'll pat you on the head and call you to our interfaith conference and you can be Hindus, alright, now we understood you're Hindus it's a material designation it's a mundane designation People, uh, they want mundane designations. But Krishna consciousness transcends mundane designations. In fact, Krishna consciousness begins where mundane designations end. What's that verse? Important verse, definition of bhakti. Ah, say it. Sarvo padhi vinir muktam tatparat vena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhakti ruchate. Bhakti is described as that which is beyond all man designations, which is uh, in relation to the supreme truth, which is devoid of all mundane contamination, and which consists of engaging the senses in the service of the master of the senses. So, uh, where did Hinduism come from? Well, there's the Vedas, right? Hindus are supposed to be followers of the Vedas, although some Hindus are not. It's very difficult to define the Hindu because whatever definition you give, you'll find there's some Hindu who breaks something in it. But mostly we can say followers of the Vedas. 
originally, but then there are so many all different ideas came out. I mean, what are the what are the Vedas? The Vedas are only for knowing Krishna, but they've been recast, adjusted for people's sense gratification. If people don't want to surrender to Krishna, that's why we're in this material world, right? Krishna bhuli seji vadi bahirmuk. We're in this material world, having forgotten Krishna and being inimical to Krishna. So the Vedas say to surrender to Krishna, then we just uh, say, well, actually in this part of the Vedas it says something else, and here it says something else, and we can understand it this way and that way, and you end up with the Vedas minus Krishna, or at least minus Krishna as he is. It's our sense gratificatory reinterpretation. We have the same thing with Jesus. They converted him into a meat-eater and a drunkard. He wasn't a meat-eater and a drunkard. But they are meat-eaters and, and drunkards. So they converted him into a meat-eater and a drunkard. They said he's a meat-eater and a drunkard. So we're also meat-eaters and drunkards. Buddha, I was also saying Buddhists are meat-eaters. They say that Buddha died by eating truffles. Which is... Uh, some kind, something derived... Some kind of pig meat from... Although it can mean something vegetarian also. There's some, I don't know, some myth or whatever. That he he had some pig meat and he got food poisoning. And well, that just goes to show we should all eat pig meat. Because Buddha had put... And like this, there's so many reinterpretations, speculations. Just like you'll find uh, in Sri Lanka. It's a Buddhist country. So there are remnants of the Buddha's body there. But when he went there, he never went there. There's no historical record of him ever going there, but they want him to. They want that he should have gone there. In England, there's all these silly songs that. Uh, oh, there, there was a whole movement at one time saying that actually Jesus came to England. It's just, it's just. It's called confabulation. You, you invent it and then you believe it. So they've reinterpreted. Jesus was an Englishman, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Even that uh, there was one writer of children's stories is also a Christian. He wrote that the Narnia series. What's that? Who's that author? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Maybe they're not translated into your language. You know that? You're into children's books. G.K. Chesterton was it? No. Some anyway. Some famous English author. He was a, so in that series of Narnia books. Narnia. It's at the end you you find out it's all allegorical, and it's it turns out to be a Christian message. The lion, who I can't remember the whole thing, I read it a long time ago. Uh, it turns out to be Jesus, and the land of Narnia, the wonderful land, turns out to be heaven. And what's it like? Like England, of course. <laughs> Prabhupada said London is like hell. They think it's like heaven. Janani Janma Bhumishchas. Swargameva Gariyasi. Sanskrit saying is there. That uh, one's mother and one's motherland is more glorious than heaven. So like that, the tendency to interpret according to our mundane contaminated ideas. That's where Hinduism comes from. Where did Christianity come from? Not from Christ. 
I was told there's a saying in German, the last Christian died on the cross. <laughs> of course, they did crucify many others. After Jesus wasn't the only one who got crucified. But uh, it's, a he- it's a heavy indictment of Christianity, isn't it? But any, the point I'm making is that <coughs> the tendency to reinterpret Srila Prabhupada, we shouldn't be surprised at that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left, there were so many bogus sampradayas came out in his name just after he left. It's still going on. Even in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's presence, there were so many bogus things. But as long as he was there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually through Suruk Damodar kept it all in check. So while Prabhupada was here, he kept it in check. There was the uh, there was the GBC, the Gopi Bhava Club. They were they were reading Prabhupada's books only, but they were selectively. They only only the parts about the, the Gopis and Krishna kissing and touching the breasts of the gopis and all this kind of thing. Prabhupada is very angry. They're only reading Prabhupada's books. But Prabhupada was very angry at them. He stopped it. He said this will spoil the preaching. Now what could be wrong with only reading Prabhupada's books? Because they were reading selectively and not stressing the parts that Prabhupada was stressing. When one of the leaders said that, well, we just want to develop a desire for this level, Prabhupada said, first deserve and then desire. So, if we say, well, we're only preaching what Prabhupada said, well, that's all right, but see, first of all, see what is the uh, gist of Prabhupada's message. And go on that basis. So, uh, this idea that, well, we have a better understanding now, it's Prabhupada, we finally came to understand that who Prabhupada is. With this, t- I mean, already we've, we've shifted away from Prabhupada's style of preaching. It's, and if this goes on, I mean, how far will it go? Where will it lead to? If we even allow that, ten- I'm saying even if we allow that tendency, it's already allowed. It's not only allowed; it's taken over our movement practically. It's a, it's a, it's a different atmosphere completely. That one of changing the world. Anyone ever hear that? That we, our movement is supposed to change the world. Heard that? Otherwise, you see, it's distributing books. Otherwise, why would you want to distribute books? And if you say, like, if you don't, if you don't have faith in Prabhupada's message, you feel uneasy about it. Then how are, how are you going to distribute these books? Then everything will be finished. If there's no book distribution, then everything's finished. Other programs may go on. This program, that program. Okay, all very nice. But the book distribution, as that goes on, then we know that Prabhupada is pleased. That's for sure. Safe. If it's not there, then whatever else we're doing, however much ecstasy we're feeling, or however nice we are to others, everything's finished. 
just be nice to others. That Prabhupada didn't come to teach us just to smile at each other. That already Stephen Covey and others, they do all that kind of stuff. We don't need Prabhupada to teach us that. But uh, he stressed, distribute these books. But how are you going to distribute them if you think that the, the Prabhupada was wrong? What's in the books is not correct. There was some move recently that we have to put some footnotes in the books because people can't, you know, you know, Prabhupada said some things, some very heavy things and people may misunderstand. We better explain that. There was a proposal already uh, many years ago that was rejected. One of Prabhupada's godbrothers suggested to some of Prabhupada's leading disciples that you see it says here the Gorya Mat is described as a dead branch of the Chaitanya tree. He said, could you, could you just change that or leave it out? He said, it's maybe said like that, but I think you should just, it'd be better to leave it out. At that time, among our leaders, there was no question of acceding to that request. We, we understood Prabhupada's books are sacred. We can't change the content. I'm not against uh, change. I'm, I'm, I'm not against. There's another controversy. There are so many controversies. Uh, the the editing Prabhupada's books. I'm not against that if they bring out or the, the real meaning. Just like I, I am fully for the change in Bhagavad Gita as it is from the Macmillan edition, in which it is stated in the purport to uh, to uh, what's that Pitrinam Aryama Chasmi Lord Krishna says among the Pitris the forefathers I am Aryama Aryama is the person who's the head of the Pitris and uh, in the purport Srila Prabhupada dictated there is a planet of Pitris, and in those days, the early days of Iskon, no one had heard of a Pitri, so they were trying to work out what it is, and they said, they, they transcribed it, there is a planet of trees, which is not what Prabhupada said, but it got in the Macmillan edition, there is a planet of trees. So I'm all for changing that to restore it to what Prabhupada said, there is a planet of the Pitris. But changing to put our own interpretation, that's something different altogether. It's extremely dangerous and it's, ex it's actually extremely offensive to Prabhupada. And it, uh, and it shows actually a lack of faith in, in acceptance. Just like Arjuna said to Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, Sarva meta britan manye, yanman vadasi keshava. I accept everything you say, Krishna. As truth, ritam, it is fact. But if we don't accept what Prabhupada says, or if we think it needs changing, adjusting, very, very dangerous area, we're in a very dangerous area. So, these are, I'm not talking about dangers facing our movement, it's, it's right there. It's, Quoting the, quoting one cartoon character, we have seen the enemy, and it is us. 
Prabhupada said this movement cannot be stopped from outside, only from inside. Amazingly, uh, what's that word? Foresight. Hmm? Nothing can stop it from outside. It seemed like that. With these court cases against our movement, it seemed like the demons, they wanted to crush our movement. They were feeling the weight of it. They were feeling the weight of our movement and they were afraid that our movement would crush their civilization. They're afraid of that. And actually, yes, you want to crush your civilization. But by crushing it, not in the manner, not in the manner of an enemy, not in the manner of, uh, of a Stalin, but in the manner of to, to crush the misconceptions and give Krishna. So... <clears throat> The materialistic people, they were, they were uh, very afraid of that. So if, if Prabhupada, he wasn't afraid of that. You know, they, they were afraid of that and therefore they reacted. There were some heavy court cases in Germany and in America... And it seemed that the more we the more we go on preaching like this, the more people become heavy against us. Which is maybe another reason devotees said, it's time to cool down. No more of this rascal fool stuff. No, this combative style of preaching. But actually Prabhupada was he he saw that opposition as a sign of our success. But it's difficult. It's difficult to be a revolutionary. Why, why fight when you can get you can get grants from the government and they they legally accept you? And why do all that? Why why uh, why take the path of opposition when you can be friends with people? Well, the best thing to do is be friends with them and at the same time say, uh, "By the way, sir, you're a demon and uh, you should change your life." Both things. I mean, it's not that Prabhupada was just like some kind of wild, unrestrained. I mean, he was the most gentlemanly person ever to appear. Most gentlemanly in his behavior. So, it's not, yeah, we're not revolutionary, but it's not like this kind of terrorist revolutionary. But giving higher knowledge, giving actual knowledge. But again, it's a very heavy message and people reacted very heavily and devotees, they were afraid. What will become? They see, they're attacking us. So Srani Prabhupada said this, they cannot stop our movement. Just like so many demons that Prabhupada gave these, uh, used this as an analogy. So many demons attacked our movement. Oh, sorry, so many demons attacked Krishna. There's no question of them ever doing any harm to Krishna. In fact, Krishna became famous by killing the demons. So in the same way, Prabhupada, this is Prabhupada's analogy. So in the same way, by fighting and, and uh, overcoming the opposition, our movement acquires significance. If we don't do that, then we become insignificant. We, then we become just, we just join the, the, all the other meaningless and Insignificant. There are so many, so many religions in the world, so many sects and groups. 
if if we're only of course we should sing and dance and hold festivals and distribute prasad and do all these nice things but unless we present the message as it is also then we become uh, insignificant we, we there's there's no bite there's no there's where's the weight of the message that the message is not there then we become uh, then the demons don't fear us demons why were they attacking krishna Krishna comes to establish dharma. They are against dharma. So Krishna comes to destroy them. They know that. Therefore they hate Krishna. So if we're not in the business of establishing dharma by destroying adharma, if we're not following the path of Krishna, then we become insignificant. That's why uh, people, they like Buddhism. Now it's becoming popular because it's got all the niceness of Eastern religion without any fixed dogma. There's no fixed message in Buddhism. Well, they have their nine points, but at least in the Western interpretation of Buddhism, you can do anything you like. You believe in reincarnation and do whatever you like. (laughs) That's Western Buddhism call yourself a Buddhist and go through some farce of meditation like this and feel yourself to be very spiritual but no, Krishna consciousness it's a heavy message rules to be followed there are rules of dharma to be followed which go against that of modern society so they're afraid materialists are afraid that their slaughterhouses will be closed down their brothels will be closed down. Their pornography, multi-million dollar pornography business. There's this, this women's rights. Why aren't they stopping this pornography? Is it, a woman has a right to show her naked body. What is that right? It's against the dignity of woman, isn't it? Now, who's protesting against this? Isn't it, uh, isn't it demeaning to the, to the whole human race? multi-billion dollar pornography business. No one's complaining. Money is God. You can show yourself naked. Oh, very extremely degraded. No one's protesting. But if our movement becomes strong, then all these things will be stopped. We say, you have the right. Artists, they call it art. See, it's art, so we have to allow it. No, you don't have your... No artistic right to do whatever you like. Art means you show Krishna. You want to show something beautiful? Show Krishna. That's all. Nothing else. Only Krishna. So it is a very dangerous movement. But if we... uh, Dangerous in the sense for materialistic people. It will destroy their materialistic civilization. By presenting another culture another way of life, another whole understanding. But then if we reinterpret Prabhupada, we're only concerned with what people, they should think that we are nice, that's all. Then uh, we're lost. Then we lost Prabhupada. We, we didn't, uh, then, that just like Prabhupada said about his own godbrothers, he said, your Vyasa Puja consists of offering fruits and flowers. That's it. 
But where is the preaching of the message? Simply ringing a bell and offering fruit and flower, Prabhupada said, that is not Vyasa Puja. Prabhupada was uh, lion-like at that time. Even before he came to the West, even before he took sannyas, he was rebuking his god-brothers that you come here, you hold a Vyasa Puja, but the real Vyasa Puja is to go out all over the world and preach Krishna consciousness in the manner of the lion-like guru who was there. Their guru was Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati. But then, uh, if you go in, at least in the 1970s, if I was visiting any Gorya Mart, you won't find any, you won't feel like you're in a lion's den. There's no lion-like mood. It's just, it's, it's another temple. That's all. So they lost the spirit. Prabhupada said the spirit of service. Prabhupada in talking about himself, going and preaching all over the world, he said, what is the difference? Why has this happened to me? Why have I been successful? He said, all my God, so many of my God brothers, they were sannyasis, they were very austere, very learned. And why did this happen to me? I was just a rotten householder. Prabhupada used that phrase. They used to say, the sannyasis and brahmacharis, they would say about the householders, rotten householders. At that time he was a householder. So how did it happen to me, of all, so many disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, that this wonderful thing, spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world, Prabhupada said, if I examine, I see that I was the only one who had full faith in the words of our spiritual master. And he quoted, not at that time, but another time he quoted, Another of his godbrothers, Obiel Kapoor, who achieved some modicum of fame later by having his books distributed around. So, uh, Prabhupada quoted Obiel Kapoor, there's the name he always used, he never used his initiated name, which is Adi Keshava. Um, that was his Kami name, Odbihari Lao Kapoor. So, uh, he quoted Prabhupada that. He is the only one who is preaching as our Guru Maharajas. He's the only one preaching with the same vigor, the same force. <clears throat> so Prabhupada said that, yeah, the Goryamats, they're going on. And actually there was, I mean, there was some preaching. Many Goryamats were opened after Pakistan Saraswati left this world. And uh, that goes to show there must have been some kind of preaching. But Prabhupada said the spirit of service was lost. They were preaching, but the spirit of service was lost. That's, a, again, a very heavy indictment by Prabhupada of his godbrothers. And he, of course he said other things also which were less devastating. And it's a really heavy statement. <laughs> But uh, we have to see ourselves. Prabhupada said about the Gorya Mat. He said that they, they're running on their temples, they have two or three people, and they're somehow or other holding it together, and they're all dirty. But if we see Iskon, many of the temples are like that also now. It's come to the same thing. Many places we go in Iskon. We go into the temple, temples that a generation ago had you know, 50, 60 devotees, and now... 
In many places you'll find they have more deities than devotees in the temple. Many places. It's all dirty and no one, no one even thinks to clean anything up. It's just like ghost town, really. And you, they put an advertisement, can anyone be the temple president? We'll pay you this much. And then they have to hire devotees to do They have to pay everyone to do anything. They can't get anyone to voluntarily do Because the spirit of service has been lost. Why is that? I mean, the potential to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world is better than it ever was before. People are more open to our message. I mean, in those days, uh, it was very tough. It was very difficult. Because so many people were opposing. Now, not. Well, maybe you say they're not. now they're more open to it because we're not so heavy with them. But... Uh, not so heavy means there's, practically there's no preaching going on in so many places. I'm sorry to say. I mean, a few years ago I was... What happened? Excuse me. Yeah. A few years ago I was doing Harina in Dublin, in Ireland. I was handing out some leaflets. And one young woman came up to me and said, well, what is all this about anyone? I said, Hare Krishna... She was American by accident, I understood. She was American. So I asked her, where are you from? She said, New York City. She'd never heard of Hare Krishna. New York people, they're very informed. They know what's going on. But the, all the New York people like us very much. But she was, she, at least one citizen of New York City had never, never heard of it. She never, didn't know what Hare Krishna was. I had, the, I had my, my own experience also once and in the airport, JFK airport, leaving New York, going to England, and one young woman said, oh, you're a monk. I saw them in the movies, but I never saw a real one. She, was, she thought it was exciting. So she said, oh, are you a Buddhist? I said, no, I'm Hare Krishna. She didn't know Hare Krishna. So it's not, if people are not so heavy on us, it's not because... Our preaching is better, but it's stopped practically in many places. Not here. We're glad to say thank you. It's going on, keeping it going on. But uh, in many places, it's it's practically ground to a halt. They may do a rathiatra once a year as a kind of ritual or something, but the spirit of changing the world, which was very much that of Prabhupada and Iskon, has changed. We're, we're, we're content to be, if we can just collect some money and run on the temple, which Prabhupada uh, rebuked his godbrothers for having that. Oh, there's so much more to say. So, yeah, this, our real Vyasa Puja offering to Prabhupada will be the, the endeavor to truly follow in his footsteps. So, I, I didn't come here to 
tell you that you're all doing things wrong. And this, in fact, here in Slovenia, we see it's it's good in one sense and sad in another. It's it's good that there is vigorous preaching going on here, but it's sad that it's one of the few places in Europe or in the world, actually, outside of India, where there is vigorous preaching going on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many centers in Europe, I, there'd be so many people even present on a Sunday morning for a class. So, uh, yeah, please keep up this, the vigorous spirit of preaching that you have here. And yeah, there are some there, have, there are some good innovations in our movement since Prabhupada. Prabhupada one of these Bhakti Shastri courses that's been started. So that's going on here. You're having Bhakti Vaibhav course starting soon. After taking that course, everyone should be. If we're absorbing Prabhupada's teachings, we should be so enthusiastic to go out and spread the teachings. That will be the that will be your actual. Bhakti Shastri certificate, not a piece of paper, but our enthusiasm to go out and spread the message, the enthusiasm to give these books to others, to give this whole way of life to others. So, uh, I'll finish there. The other points, there are so many other points, right? I might take them up some other time. So, thank you for tolerating me. Say that because it's not everywhere. You may not tolerate me much more, I don't know. But uh, anyway, as I said, that's my perspective of Shiva Prabhupada, or one aspect of Sh- one major aspect of Shiva Prabhupada, which is to a large extent forgotten, is his lion-like preaching and that he, he wanted uh, he, he wanted his disciples to invite that he, I mean, he constantly spoke to them like that with the idea that they would pick and he, he was glad when they picked up that moment they wanted to do that so we should understand that everything everything if there's no Krishna consciousness then what is it Bhagavad Bhakti Hinasya Jati Shastra, what is that? Japastapa. Apranasyaiva dehasya mandanam loka ranjana. Without Krishna consciousness, whatever else there may be in the world, so called high birth, even knowledge of Shastra, great learning, even being very religious, even chanting lots of rounds, making a show, japa, japa tapa being very austere, whatever it may be, it's compared to the decoration on a dead body. It's just to fool or to give some pleasure to foolish people. They think, oh, how nicely decorated. Dead body. What a... What a... Uh, this, in Bhaktisattva Saraswati, in, in one of his... Writing says it's like the most grotesque 
what was the term he used? I, I can't remember. Should remember. It's uh, that you see, you see, from a distance you see someone. Oh, they're so nicely decorated. They look so nice. Nice jewels, nice clothing, and then you come a little closer. You see, it's a dead body. What a contrast between what you're expecting and what you get. So like that, the, the whole of, everything in human society may appear very nice. And it may be nice, but without Krishna consciousness, it's like the decoration of a dead body. So in many ways, there may be many nice things in this world. In Slovenia, there's... Uh, Nice countryside, nice fruit and vegetables, nice people. But without Krishna consciousness, it's zombie life. So people are nice. As Prabhupada said, while saying that people are fools and rascals, he would often say that also that the majority of people are not inherently bad, it's just the leaders who are misleading them. And although most of the world think that America, everyone must be a complete demon, and well, in one sense, it's not untrue. In other words, it's true. But on the other hand, uh, most, in, in my experience, I'm not from America, as some people think, but I find my experience in America is that most people are actually very nice in their day-to-day -day dealings. But lacking Krishna consciousness, for all their niceness, they're rascals and fools. So we should know that. We don't hate the people. But we should know that without Krishna consciousness, they're in a very dangerous position. And that if we are attracted to that niceness without... Krishna, niceness without Krishna consciousness, we should know it's like the decoration on a dead body, not be attracted to them ourselves. And uh, let people know that for all your great civilization, it's all useless without Krishna consciousness. Hare Krishna, any questions or comments about this, please? Do you have another mic? You do, yeah. Can you set that up for questions? It's not there? Okay. Please say what you have to say. Maybe it's a difficult question. Maybe it's a difficult question. Prabhupada once said in a letter to Brahmananda, I think 72 or something. Prabhupada once said in a letter to Brahmananda. It is a fact that the great sinister movement is within our society. It is a fact that the great sinister sinister movement is within our society. And that we oh, I, I think he would. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go on. And he said that we should save our movement from this danger. We should save our movement from this danger. I, I believe you're referring to there was a for some time there were some leaders who were preaching some very wrong things. They said that Prabhupada was God and he left us because uh, we didn't recognize that Prabhupada has left us 
He's abandoned us because of our offenses. And it would, all the devotees felt totally devastated. It's my heart. They should have, if they'd have read Prabhupada's books, they should have known that Prabhupada himself never said that he's God. It's Mayavad to equate the, the spiritual master as being directly God. <coughs> but uh, how much education is needed? I, I remember once years ago we had some classes and we had some questions. I, before they introduced the examinations for taking initiation, we were doing that in Malaysia. And there was a, one of the questions, how should you relate with your spiritual master? And uh, one, uh, one lady devotee replied, well, you can relate with him in Dasyaras, or Sakyaras, or Vatsayaras, or Madhuryaras. <laughs> <laughs> something the other day. This, anyway, we may wonder why Bhaktisthan Saraswati was so heavy against these upper sampradayas. The thing is, once you get knowledge of Shastra, then, and, but you don't want to accept it as it is, then the way you can screw it up, it's amazing. I mean, the kind of intelligence that Maya gives to reinterpret and misinterpret, I can't remember exactly, but I've heard this kind of thing myself in Bengal. It's insane. There was someone wrote a book in which they described that what was it they in a vision they saw Krishna and Krishna told them to worship Durga and it was just you know just what a mess and they took one or two quotes from Shastra and it was like five percent Shastra and ninety five percent highly developed imagination <laughs> and. Uh, you know, and people, and then this person got all these followers, he was talking all these nonsense. Whew. So, yeah, there was a letter at that time, Prabhupada was concerned of the danger from within. And like I said, Prabhupada nixed it at the time, he was personally present. If Prabhupada hadn't been present, then they would have made a complete mess. The danger is still there. That leaders, if they if they speak the wrong thing, people tend to believe it because they're the leaders, they're senior, they're closer to Prabhupada, they know everything. We're supposed to Prabhupada wanted us to follow the leaders. So if the leaders say wrong things, then we're in a very dangerous situation. It's not impossible that they in fact that's the only way that all these bogus things have ever come into them. all the misinterpretations of Christianity and of so-called Hindus only come because so-called leaders have misinterpreted the teachings. So, I'm not saying that everything that every leader says is wrong, but we should judge according to Guru, Sadhu and Shastra and see if what they're saying is actually right. If there's a doubt, then we should not accept blindly, but uh, put it to the measure of Guru, Sadhu and Shastra. As uh, Nietzsche, in his madness, pointed out, that uh, the leaders they have they have the greatest capacity for uh, harm, harming 
isn't it? Guru is a very powerful, but it's heavy position. If one gives the right instruction, then one is a guru. But if in the position of being a guru, if one gives the wrong instruction, it's devastating. And we've seen that in our movement. So many people came to Krishna consciousness and left. The guru taught some wrong thing. We had the uh, semi-Christian guru and then the uh, intoxication guru. Well, there were two of them, actually. So like that, they misled people to be took others away. So in our movement, we accept Srila Prabhupada as our founder, Acharya. And a guru in ISKCON means one who follows Prabhupada. That is this qualification to be a guru. Only qualification. Then All right, so, yeah, there's another question. Uh, Maharaj, please uh, give a short comment about Kripaluji Maharaj. I, I made a comment about Kripalu yeah. Maharaj. I, I, didn't, I didn't comment about him. I can comment if you want. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, many followers he has many followers. Well, often when people say these people have many followers, I ask, I often say there's not exactly the right word because there's nothing to follow. So how can you call them a follower? Follower means they follow him to hell. Or they call themselves his followers. They identify themselves as his followers. But why in particular you want to speak about him? There are so many cheaters. Why him in particular? What's the attraction to him? Because he is in Varshana. he has a big center. So I've heard him into Varshana. He has a big center in Varshana. All right, well. <laughs> Ravi Shankar has a big center in Bangalore. Baba has a big center in Puttaparati. Of course, Varshana is a more important place than Bangalore. Uh, it seems very scholarly. Yeah, well, so, so what? I don't know. I didn't see any photo of him. He's dead now almost, isn't he? He's old, should be. He's, been he's dying of cancer. He's dying of cancer. And he's convicted for rape in the US. He was convicted for rape years ago. I think he was in prison for quite a few years. He raped a minor. A minor means a young person, not a, not a uh, someone who works in a coal mine. The other kind of <laughs> minor girl, young girl. So, yeah, I, but I don't see the particular need to speak about Kripalu Maharaj. He's, you know, he's another demon. There are so many of them posing as devotees. Yeah. There's a quote from Prabhupada, actually, that our movement, it's right there in the Bhagavatam, our movement declares war on all these bogus incarnations of God. Don't hear that one much, do we? When some authority gives some uh, true speech about the personality of Prabhupada and uh, also stress the point that we should keep 
going on with this kind of teaching. When the Sama authority uh, speaks like this, he's accepted because of, of his authority, his guru, or his uh, Shila Prabhupada disciple. You're saying it is accepted if someone speaks that we should follow Prabhupada, it's accepted because the person who's speaking is yeah, an authority. Because he's invested with power. In he's, with the position, he's, yeah, he's invested with power. It's considered that if someone is in a position, such as Guru, Sanyasi, GBC, Temple President, whatever it may be, it's expected that because they've been uh, placed in that position, that they're worthy of it, and what they say should be authority. Yes. But when some ordinary devotee... But when and someone who doesn't have that position, who's considered an ordinary devotee, but yes, the same says the same thing. Desire to become like a leader. He says something... He has a desire to become a leader. No, he has a he desire wants to, to preach like... A, to preach like that, yeah. yeah. He is considered like a fanatic. Considered like a fanatic. He wants to be a pure devotee. Well, my experience is that uh, when someone, or in my experience in me, speaks like this, I I'm usually call a fanatic also. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, maybe people think it's some eccentricity of mine or something like that. But anyway, there are so many gurus and they all say different things, so you just choose whatever you like. Bhaktivikar Swami comes for two or three days a year, so, you know, he says his thing and then he goes. So, that's all right. He's gone. And we will go on with our life as it is. <laughs> if you were to stay in one place and say this, in many places, if, you, if I was to say like this, well, they may ask me not to come. It may be considered too fanatical. But, well, this was a point I made in a lecture in Zagreb some years ago. And uh, as I understood it was a philosophical lecture, but I got as not to come for some years. I made the point that we should accept someone as a guru if he speaks the truth according to Guru Sadhu and Shastra. Because he speaks the truth then he's known as a guru. Not that because he's invested with a rubber stamp saying guru that what he says is automatically the truth. He's a servant of the truth. The truth is not a servant of the position that he's supposed to be in. It's not, it's actually not a position. Although we have an institutional apparatus for recognizing devotees as gurus, the, the status of a guru doesn't come from any institutional recognition. It comes from actually you, you don't become a guru. Either you are a guru or you're not. And you are a guru by jare deka tare koha krishna upadesh. By speaking the message of Krishna. Then automatically you're a guru, according to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Whether you formally accept disciples or not is something else. But that is what it is. And if you speak something else, so you may have a rubber stamp guru. But you're not a guru in the sense that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted. So... It's a touchy point. <laughs> but we should understand these things. Otherwise, we'll, just like I was saying, the semi-Christian guru that was Kirtananda. And then so many people were lost because they 
came to Prabhupada's movement, but they had actually more faith in him than, than they had in Prabhupada. Because they didn't understand Prabhupada's message. And therefore they went off, he went off and they went off with him. An intoxication guru, Jayatirtha, Hansadutta. So, so many people were lost. But I always say that, they say so many gurus come up. And they say, they say that, well, then people lose faith in Krishna consciousness. But I always say, well, that proves how Krishna consciousness works. Because however high a position you may be considered to be in, if you stop following the process, then you lose it all. You get the point? The process is given, all the rules and regulations. If you stop following, then however exalted you may appear to be, then you, you fall down. You lose everything. So the process that Prabhupada gave us is perfect. And if we don't follow it, then however exalted we or others might think us to be, then we are fallen. And that fallenness becomes manifest very quickly. Heavy stuff, isn't it? It's heavy. Krishna consciousness is very heavy. Shurasya dhara nita nishita duratyaya durgang patas tatkavayo vadanti. Krishna consciousness is like a razor's edge. Difficult path. Yes, it's easy in one sense. In another sense, to uh, to fully surrender to Krishna, it's, it's a very heavy proposition. So we don't want to scare anyone off. But at the same time, we should be aware that it, it is dangerous. If we, if we deviate this way or that way, we're, we're in trouble. We're not, going to, we're not going to get to Krishna. Yeah. In the Sunday feast lecture, yeah. you said yeah. that. Uh, oh, you weren't speaking. No, Someone no, else was speaking. No, no. Prabhupada, he didn't introduce many rules at all. 
In fact, the deity worship consisted of, the total deity worship consisted of, there was a plate with a lamp on it, and standing outside, the, the one devotee would offer that, then he'd pass it on to the next, and that was it. That was the, that was the arati. They'd pass the plate around, and everyone would go like this. And, but gradually, Prabhupada introduced standards. In, in the beginning, he didn't try to introduce so many standards, seeing that the people, they were hippies. So in the beginning, yes, the men and the women, they danced together in Kirtan. Later, uh, after Prabhupada, he said he wanted to bring devotees to India so they could see and learn the culture. So some of them did, and they came back and they implemented this, and Srila Prabhupada saw it, and he never objected to it. So, should we go back to men and women dancing together with no no divide between them. You think that's a good idea? No, it's not a very good idea. Is it? I mean, no, obviously there should be separation between men and women because of the uh, sexual attraction which we're not free from. A few years ago, here in Ljubljana, I was in Tulasi Arati. And then just after I was doing this, doing Parikrama of Tulasi, and I saw, I just to my left, there's one Mataji circumambulating at the same time as me. So I moved to the right, and I saw there's another one. <laughs> I wonder what's going on. And then I understood that they must have seen this paper, in which they said, well, now we should all go around together. But it's subhuman behavior, actually. Prabhupada, he didn't, in the beginning, try to uh, change everything. But later on, here's another quote from one of Prabhupada's books, that to, to mix with women and to treat them as equals is uncivilized behavior. So it's there in Prabhupada's books. It wasn't just some nasty sannyasis who implemented this. Heavy stuff. We won't make brother and sister feeling. We are simply by uh, dancing together in kirtan. Brother and sister feeling, yeah, but then uh, brother and sister sometimes turned into incest. That was the problem. Too much close dealings. Then there was illicit sex. When Giriraj Maharaj asked Prabhupada, he said that, Prabhupada, that in our movement we have the best philosophy and the best spiritual master, then why do we have so many problems? This was said in Prabhupada's presence, for the benefit of those who think there were no problems when Prabhupada was personally present. Why do we have so many problems? Prabhupada said, because the brahmacharis and sannyasis associate too much with women. How about that one? You can tell that one back to the advocates of men and women mixing actually brothers and sisters in Indian culture, the brothers and sisters, once they get to a little grown up, they also don't mix like that. Only when they're little children. <laughs> so, anyway, there are different strains of Krishna consciousness, but 
different interpretations. But uh, practically I see where the where the preaching is strong and the book distribution is going on, it's only in places in which they there's no attempt to what wait a minute to reinterpret. In our movement there are there is a cultural divide between those who are what we could call traditional or conservative or and those who are non-traditional and more, you can say more open. Conservative is called right wing and then liberal is called left wing. But I would say right wing and wrong wing. <laughs> so in the places in the places where we just where the idea is there to follow Prabhupada as to believe in his books and to not mix up with so many other things, that's the places where they're making devotees and they're distributing books. And these are these places where the, you know, just everything's okay and you walk into a temple and the first thing you see is the yoga studio and then there's the Ayurveda studio and then there's the uh, hypnotism studio and then, and then uh, somewhere at the back there's a little temple and it's some kind of new age center and these places many people may come but they don't become Krishna conscious then what's the use? or you get people that they've been coming to our temple for 15 years and they're still more interested in Hatha Yoga than in surrendering to Krishna then what's the use? saying oh we have so many people coming uh, we, we gave a lecture on we gave a lecture and so many people came 200 people came to our public lecture. Oh, really? Uh, what was it? What was the subject? It was how you can be more healthy by Ayurveda. So yeah, more people will come. But not to hear about Krishna. I was just discussing this in Russia. It's very popular. They, the devotees, they give lectures on Ayurveda. And the idea is to get them interested in Krishna consciousness. But I told them that if you, if you, preach, about Ayurveda, if you preach about Krishna consciousness straightforwardly, a few people will come. But they'll take up their interest in, so out of them, who show some initial interest, quite a large number are likely to take to Krishna consciousness because that's what you're coming to give. If you speak on Ayurveda, many, many people will come, but then gradually as you talk about Krishna consciousness, they'll all fall out, and you'll end up after maybe two years or three years of this process with the same number of people that you could have started with if you started struck by Krishna consciousness in the first place. The only difference is that these people, they are all mixed up with Ayurveda and they think, they, when you speak to them, they're, oh yeah, surrender to Krishna. And what's that? Kapavita Vayavada. You put something into their consciousness which you have to take out unnecessarily. So there may, there may be some kind of it. We can, we can do these indirect things, but we should take people quickly to Krishna consciousness, just cooking classes, okay, cooking, vegetarian cooking classes, okay, and what's the main ingredient? Krishna, you have to chant Hare Krishna, you offer it to Krishna, and then immediately you can bring in Krishna consciousness. Or uh, you, in India they often do like on personality development or character development, and you can very, especially in India, you can very quickly bring in Bhagavad Gita 
to bring in Krishna consciousness. But these indirect methods, like they all the time, you're like for your whole life being indirect. And you never come to Krishna. Or you just introduce Krishna. And by the way, there is also, sorry to say, but there is also <laughs> Krishna. And, uh, and it's also quite nice. And if you like, you can take to it. And, but, and, oh, and here's our next yoga exercise. What's the use? What's the point? What are we doing? We think we can't, that people will not take to Krishna consciousness. Is it, is it really necessary that we have to teach all these other things? Is the result of years of book distribution mean, is the result being that now at last people are eligible to come to the stage of doing yoga? No, people can take to Krishna consciousness. Actually, we can, we can, so many people can be Krishna conscious. So many, if, if we just present the message as it is, and the message as it is, it is heavy, but it is also very attractive. Prabhupada, he uh, presented Krishna consciousness as it is, very attractive. You're looking at the clock, it's, yeah, it's almost 10 o'clock. So, yeah, all right, I'll finish. Enough said. Oh, you have a question too. Uh, not me, but Dhammadar Nityananda Prabhu from New York City would like to relay a question over online. Yeah, okay. Uh, he says, uh, is there any reference or interview of Dr. Obiel Kapoor in the Bhaktisnanda Saraswati book? Obiel Kapoor? Yeah. I did interview him, yes, when he was still alive. And he's, a mini biography of him is there. I was in his house, just next to Radharaman Temple in Vrindavan. And then uh, his wife brought some tea and I said, how come you're drinking tea? If you're a disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, I was interviewing disciple. He said, there's nothing wrong with tea. So said, Hari Bhakti Vilas, there's nothing against it. Of course, there's no tea in India. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, I was on the Vraja Mandala Parikrama with Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, and they were serving tea then. That may have been to people who were not initiated or newcomers, but definitely... Uh, Disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasara Thakur, they're not meant to drink tea. So, there's an example of someone, he's initiated by the greatest guru of his time. I mean, such a guru. But he didn't hear him. Later, after Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasara passed away, Obi Al Kapoor became a follower of Goranga Das Babaji, of the Nitai Gaur Radhe Sham group. So, Prabhupada, Prabhupada considered Obi Al Kapoor a friend. Interesting. But uh, there's an example of uh, someone who's a disciple of such a guru, but he was deviated. If we're, to, if we're to say straightforwardly, he was deviated from the practice and precept of his guru. So it's not just because someone, we say someone's a disciple of Prabhupada, it's not such a, we say Prabhupada disciple, it's not such a, it's not a small thing to be a Prabhupada disciple, that you may have, we may have sat in a ceremony and got a name at some point. It's not such, it's not such an easy thing. Prabhupada's kindness accepted so many disciples, but to actually be a disciple. 
Just like people often ask me, when did you become a devotee? I, I tell them, I'm still trying. Didn't, didn't become one yet. It's not such an easy thing to be a devotee. Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada.